Hello, Line Click Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Line Click Thoughts Podcast. And in this episode, I get to interview Chef Lauren Joffrion. Lauren is the owner and creator of Hellbrazer.com, which is a vegan-friendly uh, food blog or recipe site where she uploads vegan-friendly recipes. And to start off, I have a lot of respect for her for this because I think writing recipes and writing your ideas down and then publishing them to the community is something that takes a lot of courage and takes a lot of skill. And, you know, I don't know if I could ever do that, especially not now in my where I'm at in my career. And I think to have the courage to do that is something special because, you know, you're essentially giving someone a tool for which they can spend a meal like trying your product. So like they designate a meal of their day trying out this recipe. And if it goes wrong, that could be very detrimental. So I really think it's important that Lauren writes her own recipes and puts them out there. And I just really think it's cool that she does it in a vegan way because I feel that, you know, from a conversation, she's a creative person. I think cooking vegan is something that, you know, essentially makes you think outside of the box. You have to do different things with vegan cooking. So please go check out her site at hellbrazer.com. Look up a couple of recipes, give her some feedback. And I really think it's going to be big in a couple of, or at least in the next coming year, because she's doing such a good job on it. Also, she's starting as a sous chef and pastry chef right now in a new job. So congrats to her on that. And basically, I think, you know, having a conversation with her, I think she's ready and I think she's up for the challenge. She's very confident in herself. You know, she's humble, but she's really ready to go, really take, really ready to take this next step. And I think it's so cool for any cook right now who's about to transition into a leadership role or who wants to transition into a leadership role in the kitchen to listen to the story because she's taking a leap as not only the sous chef, but the pastry chef as well at this restaurant. And she's playing a lot on her shoulders, but I think she can pull it off. She seems like a hard worker and she seems like someone who doesn't have any quit in her. So I'm really excited to see where this takes her going forward. And I'm really excited to see the food she's able to do. Lastly, I thought the conversation was interesting because we talk a little bit about Southern cuisine and her influences from the South. And why I find it so interesting is because I'm from the north of the country and I don't really have a lot of background in Southern cuisine. So I'm just very, I was very excited to talk to her about that. And I think it'd be a cool topic for anyone who's interested in Southern cuisine or is from the South and will relate to what we talk about. So I'm very excited to share this all with you. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. It means a ton to have these conversations with y'all. And I just look forward to seeing what she has in the next couple of years of her career. Uh, before we get started, I just want to give you a reminder on a podcast episode I'm trying to do to commemorate Anthony Bourdain. Basically, all you have to do is download Anchor, look up me up, Line Cook Thoughts, and on the top right, send me a voice message saying why Anthony Bourdain meant so much to you. And on June 8th, it'll be a year since he passed, I'm going to be releasing a podcast episode that compiles all of our different messages and quotes about why we love Anthony Bourdain into one episode and sharing it to the community. So please take the time to do this. It would mean a ton, and I'm just very excited to put this out there. Thank you all so much. It means so much to have you all tune in every week and listen to the conversations I have and the things I have to say and just the ideas that I have put out so far. And everything's going really well, and I just can't thank you all enough, and I'm so grateful. And Lauren, thank you so much, and let's do this. Hello. Hey. Hey, Lauren. How's it going? Good. Awesome. Well, thank you for being. I'm very excited to talk to you, interview you, and kind of learn more about what you're doing. And, you know, we're going to talk about Southern cuisine and kind of your early influences and about plating. So, um, 
yeah, why don't we start off with uh, you introducing yourself and kind of what projects you're involved in and where you're going to be working next and all that. All right. Uh, my name is Lauren Joffreon. I'm from Gulfport, Mississippi. Um, I just recently started a job over in Bay St. Louis. I'll be working as the sous chef and pastry chef uh, with Field Nico at Field Steak and Oyster Bar. So I'm really looking forward to that. We're not open yet, but we do open in mid-April. Um, okay. I have a side project right now, uh, which I actually need to update. Um, I run hellbrazer.com. It's a food blog. And uh, I just pretty much take uh, food photos of whatever recipes I do. Um, right now it's strictly vegan, but I do want to pander to all audiences. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Okay. Awesome. And what made you uh, go into like vegan recipes? Um, just, you know, being health conscious. Um, I have a couple of friends who are vegans. Um, I had a mostly plant-based, you know, lifestyle for a while. And, um, like, it's kind of a challenge to take just a regular recipe, you know, that involves, like, animal protein and, you know, transforming it using only veggies but making it taste almost exactly the same. It's, I don't know, I'm always a sucker for a challenge, so I, I really <laughs> like doing it. And why did you go plant-based? Just, you said health reasons, um, environmental reasons, or what was your main purpose for that? Um. Some of it was environmental. Most of it was health. I kind of had um, a bit of a health scare a while back. So I kind of, it was like a wake up call and I needed to stop eating so much meat and, you know, all of that. So, uh, and my mom, my, she's a nurse. So she's always like, you know, vegetables are great. So I, I kind of was like, okay, I'll listen. <laughs> and how do you come up with recipes? Um and how do you write them? Like, how long does it take to test the recipe and put one out? So my brain works in a really weird way. And my girlfriend makes fun of me for it all the time. Like, we'll just be sitting in dead silence. And I'll just be like, how about this? And she's like, okay, you know, give it a try. So, you know, I'll go to the store, uh, come back home, get all the ingredients, kind of put it together. And it comes out well usually the first time, but there's always tweaking to do. And that's usually like um, how I'll come up with what I want to do with it next to improve it. And I actually have this book. Um, it's how I learned to write a menu. It's called the Flavor Bible. And you can oh, look yeah. up any ingredient and it'll tell you, you know, like what goes with it. So I do use that as a tool very often. But sometimes I'll kind of go off on my own and, you know, think, hey, what if this goes with this? And I'll kind of like expand on that. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely been a challenge for me um, since starting cooking is kind of figuring out or creating something new. Uh, mm -hmm. Flavor Bible definitely was a book that I still use today to think of different meals, even on my days off when I just want to cook at home, mm -hmm. just because it's such a good resource. Oh, definitely. And I, I think it's cool that, you know, you're putting out recipes because for me, that's, you know, it takes a lot of courage to kind of put food on a plate, but then it even takes more courage, I think, to put out a recipe and put your thoughts on paper and have other people try and replicate it. So, right. I mean, were you nervous at first or was it just something you decided you just were going to go ahead and do? I've always kind of done it as a kid. Like I'd come home from um, school and my mom, like she started nursing school a little bit later in life. So I'd come home from high, from high school and she'd say like, Hey, can you help me out with dinner? And 
she'd kind of leave it up to me. So I'd come up with stuff. It was nothing extravagant or fancy at the time, but that's kind of when I realized, Hey, I really like doing this. And it just kind of kept progressing through the years and um, just morphed into this giant monster, I guess, because I'm always coming up with these ridiculous things, but they, most of them work. So I'm, I'm happy with it. Nice. And why has it been important for you to share recipes with people? Because um, obviously you could just come up with them and then have them in your own catalog and kind of in your back pocket, but you're sharing kind of your thoughts and your ideas and what you cook. And why is that important to share that with other people? It's important to share it because people always want to try new things. And, you know, like I see other people's stuff and I'm like, wow, how'd they do that? You know, and um, I'll post food on Facebook and people ask me for the recipe. And after people kept asking, I was like, you know, maybe I should make this like shareable somehow. So that's how I came up with my food blog, you know, um, instead of just emailing a recipe directly to one person, I could just have it on this website and people can, you know, look and have it for themselves, like at all times, because it's always going to be there. Okay. Yeah, that's good to hear. And why do you think it's important for you as a cook to have that outlet? Like, how does that help you, I guess? Because you're going to be creating menus and whatnot, but how does it help you to know that sharing your recipes might help another cook? Um, I really like the idea of it because I started out, like, everyone starts out at square one, and you look up to these people who have these recipes and these techniques, and you want to learn from them. And I hope that, like, after years of trying and writing down all these things after, like, several times of trial and error, that someone can take away something or some, you know, important piece of information or an experience from this. And they can, like, expand on that and maybe even make it their own, you know. Nice. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Um, Would you ever want to write a cookbook or do you want to just stay strictly with blogging? Um, I've actually thought about writing a cookbook. I've had a... Uh, quite a few people um, asked me about it at first I was extremely against the idea because I don't know it sounds like just so much and you have to go through like all this stuff to get it published Um, so I've been thinking about it more recently and I'm thinking about maybe self-publishing it I'm not sure how to go about that but it's something I have been looking into more more recently for sure okay great so why don't we start with um Maybe some early influences for you and kind of how you got into cooking and why you wanted to be a chef. Okay. Um, it started really, really young. Um, my parents still joke about it to this day. Uh, <laughs> um, it started, they would always watch, uh, you know, PBS. Um, Julia Child would be on or um, Martin Yan with Yan Can Cook. And that's actually how I got my love for Asian cuisine. Okay. Um, so I would watch them every weekend. My parents would have them on. Uh, we would go out to eat and I would even like imitate what they were doing. I was like four or five years old. We'd be sitting at the table. Um, this is a very vivid memory. We would go to this sushi place in town. And after we were done eating, I would just take everything left over on the table. And I was like five years old and I would just mix it into this bowl and tell my mom, Hey, I made a recipe. Here you go. And they would like, you know, pretend to like it and eat it. And they, they were very encouraging. So, you know, that was nice, but um, that's where that started. And it just kept, you know, 
going and going. Um, I had an interest in the Food Network as a kid, and I would watch that all the time. As a teenager, that's all I watched. Um, that's all I really wanted to watch. That's actually how I started to learn. And okay. um, I also started to learn from my parents as well. My dad is really big into like barbecuing and doing things with like meat and fish. He likes a lot of the international cuisine. I learned that from him. Um, my mom, she does a lot of home cooking, but it's like some of the best you'll ever have. I learned that from her. I learned baking from her. That's where I get my love of like pastry art. Okay. So um, my parents, aside from um, watching a ton of <laughs> cooking shows as a kid, um, they're my two biggest influences for sure. Okay. That's awesome. And when did you decide? I mean, like you obviously had a general interest in food, it seems, throughout your childhood and early adult life. So like what made you switch into wanting to become a, wanting to become a chef? Just the genuine love for it. And it really makes me happy. Um, it's it's hard for me to find something that makes me happy. I've tried. Oh, my God. In college, I've changed my major so many times. Um, started out as architecture, went back to biology, went back to architecture uh, started to do nursing for a while. Um, I have a love for science, but it's just not a career that I see myself being happy in. But with cooking, there is still a science to it. So I can get the best of both worlds because I've always had kind of like an artistic side, but I also love science and baking has a lot of science in it, but I still get to be really creative. And as long as I'm creative and can work with my hands. I'm the happiest I can be. It's awesome to hear. And so we're going to talk about, so you didn't have any formal training. You kind of just went about going into the industry. Yeah. I I started from the bottom for sure. Okay. And what was your first job? Oh, okay. So my first job was actually in fast food. I had applied to be in the kitchen and my uh, manager, you know, agreed to put me in the kitchen I walk into work my very first day and I'm handed the front of house uniform and I'm like, oh no. And he's like, yeah, we think you'd be just better suited for front of house. And I was like, I I know how to cook though. Like, you know, I'm a a fast learner. And he's like, no, we're just going to keep you there. And I just totally butchered it. I'm so awkward. Uh, I just was not suited for front of house, like talking to people, um, he was always having to correct me and tell me like to smile more. That's, that's an ongoing theme with me apparently. Um, so I ended up leaving there and I went to go work at nukes, which is like kind of a chain, you know, eatery around here, really good food. I like the way everything's structured. I started out as prep and I learned quite a few things there. Um, that was a good, a good job to start at for, for sure. Okay. And then where did you go after that? Um, After that, I moved to Baton Rouge and I worked for a um, catering company and I was with them for a few months. And then after that, um, a friend had messaged me. He'd seen my food post on Facebook and his mom was looking for a private chef and they lived in Lafayette at the time. So um, after I got that job in Baton Rouge, a few months later, I ended up moving to go work for them, lived with them, um, did that for about six months. And then uh, some some things happened and I had to move back home. Um, so I've, I've been back here in Gulfport since. And um, 
when I moved back to Gulfport, I went to work at the Beau Rivage. It's a, an MGM, you know, casino. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked there at the Italian restaurant. Uh, loved loved that job for a while. Um, but after a few months, I, I had to, you know, leave. And, you know, it's not that I didn't like working there. It's just I wanted to expand, you know, culinary horizons and experiment with baking so I took kind of like a part-time job and worked from home and experimented a lot to just get better before I like dove into something else okay nice. and what uh so you said your mom's baking kind of drew you into it what do you like about baking uh back to the science theme um I just like the whole science element to it I like how exact it has to be because if you just put a little too much of something or a little bit less than you're supposed to it could just make it or break it really it's all about quantities and and quality as well but I like that I can be really creative with it like you can just you can keep it to the point or you can be super whimsical you can do the whole molecular gastronomy thing which I'm a fan of Um, I always like to learn techniques with that Uh, I do love savory cooking with all of my heart but I really love baking as well for sure I feel like my creativity comes out a lot more with baking which is kind of ironic because I'm not a huge fan of sweets but my dad is so he's always my taste tester I'll bring desserts over I'm like hey what do you think about this and he's super honest so he'll tell me hey you know a little bit less of this next time okay and why do you think baking for you allows you to be more creative? Um, well, one thing is with baking, I can make something, any flavor I want. Like you start, you know, from scratch. Like if you, for example, if you have like a steak, you know, it's a steak and you can do so much with it. But with baking, you know, someone says make a cake and it's like, I can make, the most unusual cake you've ever heard of that works well with all these components that are unusual. Like I could make a green tea cake with like yuzu and some kind of unusual buttercream, but I can also make it any shape I want. You know, Um, I can make it deconstructed. There's just so many things you can do to it. And I, I really love that. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm I've, I'm more focused in culinary than baking, mm-hmm. so definitely baking has always interested me because there it's just a whole another different way of looking at flavors mm-hmm. that you don't get from cooking. And my biggest mentor, uh, well, one of my biggest mentors, Chef Ross, uh, who I worked for for quite a while, he had a background in culinary and baking, and I always found his dishes were so great because he was able to meld those two worlds together so how is it how does it help you having both like the culinary side and the baking side when you're looking to create menus do you find it helps you find a more balanced menu or what's your mind like what what are your thoughts on that um yeah it definitely does help um create a more balanced menu because some of the flavors i use in baking like um for example i use some unusual you know asian flavors like pandan or you know, yuzu or stuff like that. And they can also work well in savory dishes. Like if, you know, you have like pork, for example, it goes well with some sweet flavors. So I'll take some of the flavors that I use from baking um, and kind of like implement it into that. And then sometimes vice versa. 
but um yeah I, I really like being able to do both and it opens up a lot more opportunities as well that's another thing um I've been strictly pastry before and I've also you know done both at the same time so it okay. you know expands horizons when it comes to essentially looking for a job okay and so you say you're going to be sous chef and pastry chef of your new um your new job mm-hmm. how uh how do you how do you how are you going to manage your time like how how much will be dedicated to being like the sous chef and the on the culinary sides of things mm-hmm. how much time is dedicated to working with the pastry team like what's your like how do you think time is going to be managed between those so right now I think it's just um, me and field and one other person just to start. Uh, so what I, what I'm planning to do and we're, we're going to see how it goes because we're not technically open yet. Um, I'm borrowing mm. their sister restaurants uh, kitchen. So I'm working around, you know, trying not to get all up in everyone's way. Uh, so what I was thinking is I'd probably do my pastry stuff early in the morning. That way it has time to set, you know, I'll start with all of that. And I'm, I'm a huge multitasker. I can knock out a lot of my pastry stuff at the same time. I'm doing some of the savory prep, but, you know, mornings are going to be, you know, pretty prep heavy. Um, And then the lull in between, you know, lunch and dinner service, I'll probably do some more savory prep for dinner. But uh, I'm definitely going to try to juggle all of my, uh, you know, pastry prep in the morning because I do use a lot of gelatin in my desserts and a lot of um, agar agar and stuff like that. So, you know, it has to have time to set and I don't want to, you know, risk it cutting it close with time. So, mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I just want to get on the topic of uh, like leadership in the kitchen. So your team is going to be pretty small at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at first. And so I guess as you get going, or as you've been, so you're going to be a sous chef now and a pastry chef. And what I'm trying to get at is like, you haven't had like any formal experience, like a lot of cooks, but you worked your way up mm-hmm. and, I've, and I've been to school. So I don't really have that point of view that you have. When does it transition from you, for you from being someone who's like, you know, you're obviously still learning, mm-hmm. but being in a role that's more of a leadership role and has more responsibility. Like how do you transition into that when you haven't had like schooling and you're just learning everything on your own? It's kind of like I go into this mode where it's like, I have to do it or, you know, nothing's going to get done. Uh, I was really, really shy as a kid. And as a teenager, I was known for not talking, like looking back, like if I was, you know, that age again, looking forward to the future, I would never believe, you know, I could do what I'm doing now because um, in the kitchen, you have to do, what you're told and you have to communicate. And I learned that very quickly. Um, I was really bad with communication. I was bad at kind of, they called it finding your voice um, to where, you know, you shout loudly enough to where everyone can hear you. So, you know, everyone's on the same page. Um, They had to really kind of drill that into my brain for a bit. Uh, So once I got, once I got to that part, uh, I was fine. And then, um, most recently, the place I worked before I work now, um, I had to do a lot of things independently and, you know, communicate, uh, talk with customers. So, you know, that really got me more comfortable with it. And, you know, I learned that when you're training or teaching, you know, your staff, you know, uh, that 
thing where people are always like chefs yell all the time and you know um that's not really my style I like to inform and educate and Mm -hmm. I always tell people hey you know there's no such thing as a dumb question ask me anything you want you know I'd rather I'd much rather you ask me than you know be unsure and go off and do it you know kind of you know waste ingredients um I have no problem showing people how to do something a million times you know yeah because everyone everyone starts off somewhere and I, I get that I never had formal training and if you do have formal training that's amazing but I never had that so it's really nice to have people who want to be patient with you Mm-hmm. And, you know, take time out of their day to show you what to do so that you're set, you know. And when people would do that for me, it really meant a lot. So I want to give that back. Okay. Yeah, definitely. The I found the best way to lead is the wants to teach and, you know, grow someone and not just have. Mm-hmm. It takes patience to be a good leader in the kitchen. And it takes patience definitely. to, you know, work with a team of people who want to be creative and want to, mm-hmm. you know leave their own impact so when you're patient and you let people grow under you you definitely get more out of them in the long term and right. if you're more demanding in the short term it just doesn't work out so yeah right. it, it makes it makes people panic and then um i know when i'm yelled at for no apparent reason i'm just focused on you know the anxiety and that time period i'm like you know thinking about that the whole time rather than focusing on what i'm doing so i don't want to put other people in that situation I just I want them to be happy when they come to work and look forward you know to a new day I don't want them to dread you know coming to work because you know when you dread where you work it kind of comes through in your work like Mm -hmm. you know the food you put out so I I try to make everyone as happy as possible Um, I'm still very honest and I'm very to the point Um, I'm told I kind of have like this corporate attitude sometimes it takes me a while to adjust and uh it takes me a few months before I can kind of like joke around with people but you know it it does come out eventually but um at first I'm very serious and I I want things done the right way um Mm -hmm. I'm nice about the way I go about it and I like to make everyone feel comfortable but I really really care about the product that comes out of the kitchen and I like to make sure everyone else is on the same page as well okay yeah definitely um, and so we were going to talk also about, uh, going to culinary school and kind of, you know, when we were talking before we started recording, you kind of wanted to go to culinary school or you, there's some part of you that wish you would have went. Um, but how was, how was it to learn without going to culinary school? Like I said, I know a lot of cooks do it, mm-hmm. but I feel like you have to be so aware and so attentive all the time. If you want to get a lot of knowledge out, which it seems like you have, you, when you talk, you have a really it seems like you have really great depth of knowledge with ingredients. So how did you kind of focus on learning while also having the urgency to get your job done every day at work? I always felt like, um, cause usually amongst the majority of the people I worked with, I was the only one who had never attended school. So it was a little intimidating. So I felt like I always had to go the extra mile or I always had to, you know, listen a lot more or do a lot more than I was told. Um, I would go home at night after work sometimes and just, I I called it my homework. I would look up recipes, um, watch instructional videos on how to do like certain things. Um, Then I would like practice on my off time and take that back to work with me and, you know, just kind of like figure it out as I went along. And Mm -hmm. 
I never was the most confident person growing up, but this job has definitely made me that way. I had to tell myself, okay, go into work today, take what you learned last night that you've never done before that you've just watched and just try your best. And, you know, if it works, it works and that's perfect. And you can just keep going from there. So uh, I would just walk in like I kind of knew what I was doing. Um, just kind of go for it. And a lot of times it would just turn out, you know, really well. Uh, so I don't know. That was just, I don't know if it was luck or if it's just like, this is what I'm definitely supposed to be doing and it just works, you know? Okay. Yeah. It's always, for me, I've always thought like, you know, what would have happened if I never went to school? Mm-hmm. And it's scary for me to think about because I don't know how, like with me, I was, whenever I'm working, I'm always, I mean, I'm learning, I'm always learning. Um, I feel like I'm good at learning fast, but mm-hmm. I'm always like trying to get the job done. And sometimes you're so in the moment of getting everything done that you don't take the time to step back and learn. So I feel like people who are successful without going to school in the industry really have a good ability to listen and multitask. Like you said, you have, you're like multitasking. So it's just oh, yeah. an interesting way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, part of me does wish that I went to school because like, there's still so much that I don't know. And there are, you know, some techniques I don't know and some terminology. I remember a few times um, when I went to go work at the bow, uh, all these really good chefs were around me and they would, you know, tell me to do something and say like this term I've never heard before. And I would just be like, what's that mean? You know? And, uh, they would just look at me like, really? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, still learning, but you know, just tell me what to do and I can do it. And, you know, but also when it, also when it comes to finding a job, you know, having that degree looks really good. I can't tell you how many times I've applied for a job and they really, really like me in the interview until they start looking through my resume a little bit more. And they're like, Oh, you never went to school. And I have to tell them, no, you know, I didn't. And then I just kind of see this look. And I know that look, you know, so hmm. that, that, that is the downside, but some places have been generous enough to let me prove myself. And, you know, I work hard enough to where I let them know, Hey, you're not going to regret giving me this chance. Yeah, so definitely. You just, you know, have to always try your best and that it should be that way no matter what. And, you know, I'm lucky for the opportunities I have had and, you know, I look forward to many more. Great. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's interesting to hear that viewpoint because when I, you know, not every kitchen, but a lot of kitchens that I've went to, there's always someone like if I went to school, they're like, oh, you're, especially because I went to the Culinary Institute of America, mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, you're a CIA grad. You must think you know everything or, you know, this isn't as easy as school was. And there's like these degrading comments. And, you know, that's something that really bothers me about the industry still is, there's a lot of cooks out there who, you know, feel the need to kind of test you or push you or, you know, try to make you feel uncomfortable or try to make you feel lesser than them. Because mm-hmm. um, I do really feel like this industry sometimes feeds egos in a wrong way. But um, it's interesting to see that whether you go to school or not, there's always going to be maybe someone who tries to bring you down and you just have to kind of focus on yourself and working hard and being you know, productive in the kitchen and not letting those people bother you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's something I've noticed is 
you know, a lot of my friends I've talked to about this, like when you go to work at jobs where there's cooks that haven't gone to school, they're always like, there's always a chip on their shoulder, like, oh, you went to school, you must think you're better than us. And it's like, no, like, we want to learn from you. Like, like, that's why we're coming here. So mm-hmm. just, just to touch on like the flip side of it. So. And I think both parties can learn from each other for sure. Like, um, I have friends who went to culinary school and they've taught me things, you know, I didn't even know existed. And like, I've taught them different techniques as well. Like I haven't learned the ways that they have. They're more Mm -hmm. informal, I guess. And, um, I'll show them a different way that I'll do something. And they're like, wow, you know, and they'll try it. And they're like, Hey, I really like this way. So we both, you know, we all kind of learn from each other and, I really like that. Okay. Both parties definitely bring something to the table. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so next, uh, you know, we're talking about what we wanted to talk about in the podcast, uh, plating. You wanted to touch on the importance of plating. Uh, I've seen your dishes on your Instagram. You know, I got to share one mm-hmm. with a quote of yours. And, you know, your dishes are really beautiful. And I just wanted to, like, kind of understand your philosophy of plating what you look for when you go to plate a dish so if you just walk us through that yeah um so to be honest I never get it right the first time um sometimes I'll sketch out how I want to plate it and I'll go to plate it I don't always like how it looks I'll kind of start over until you know I get it to where where I want it to be pretty much um there are dangers of over plating like having too many purees on a plate, having too many sauces, um, too many elements, because if your food is really, really good, you want that to be the focal point. You might want, you know, a few things to complement the dish, but you want your main component to really shine through and not be overwhelmed by several different things on the plate. Definitely. That's definitely a philosophy of mine. I used to overplate quite a lot. I would cook for my family and it'd be like, each thing is good, you know, by itself. But when you put all these things together, it's confusing. So I had to learn to kind of um, keep it simple, um, but still make it interesting enough to where you look at it and you're like, I want that. Plating yeah. is definitely everything. You eat with your eyes first. Honestly, if I look at something and it doesn't really look super appetizing, I'm a little turned off buy it um so i like my plates to be really pretty i love seeing people's faces when you know the servers put down the plates in front of them and they're just like wow like we uh where i used to work we had an open kitchen and i would kind of like watch the plates go out you know to the customers being sat down and i would just love to see the expressions on their faces like that that made my day i know it's so simple and it sounds silly, but like it would literally make my day. Yeah. Awesome. And that's, I think what you're looking for at the end of the day when you played is that, you know, people looking at it and being like, wow, this is like really, you know, it, it causes emotion in them. So mm-hmm. that's super cool to hear that, you know, that's what you're kind of going for. Yeah. And um, I, was sorry. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, um, I also, like have an art background so that comes through a lot um I used to do paintings and I would do art shows every now and then and I don't really have time to do that as much anymore so I kind of let the art come through like on the plate okay yeah that's interesting to think and like what um I guess with art 
is I asked this before of my chef. Um, is it you know with art you can make a painting or create a painting and it lasts forever, but with a plate of food it only lasts you know, 15 minutes, 20 mm-hmm. minutes, depending on how slow the guests eat. So mm-hmm. is it more rewarding that you get to keep making your art again and again? Or is it, I don't know, it's kind of weird for me because you make something so beautiful and then it's, you know, it's torn apart. Um, so like, do you ever think of that in that way? Or is it, I don't know, I, maybe, I sometimes feel crazy <laughs> about thinking of it like that. But, you know, do you understand what I'm getting at? Yeah, like, I, I think about that a lot because I'll plate something and I just look at it and like, this is the best version of this dish I've ever played it it just came out perfectly and then I'm like it's not going to exist in like 10 minutes but you know sometimes I'll see like customers take pictures of it and they'll post it so it's it's kind of still around and you know I'll see it like come up on social media and and that that makes me happy Um, but just to know that even for a few minutes that uh, something so beautiful existed and someone noticed it that makes me you know happy enough it doesn't need to be something that lasts forever that's hanging up on a wall for me to remember it and enjoy it because you know I have my memories of what I've done I look back you know at the recipes I've created um compliments people have given me about you know how the dish tasted and that's all that matters to me it doesn't need to be something I need to visually see all of the time okay and yeah, I think that's why social media is so important to cooks now. Um, you know, a lot of Instagram cooks get backlash from like more of the old school cooks, but I think it's important because if you make something you're proud of and something that's really, you know, you really put your heart into and you're able to save that and share that with the world, mm-hmm. I think that's a great thing. Definitely. So I think, that's, I think that's a part of the reason why I'm doing Wine Cook Thoughts and a part of the reason why you are, you know, doing recipes and whatnot and sharing them with people is to be able to share your thoughts and what you're proud of to other cooks and other food interested people so that they can have something, you know, more than just 15 minutes. I think that's why going to restaurants is so great nowadays because you get to take pictures and put it on Instagram and maybe it's shallow for a lot of people, but (laughs) you know, it's something they get to hold on to and it's something that they get to, you know, show other people about. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a good thing to have that exposure. I, I agree with you. Definitely. Uh, so the, you know, the last kind of topic we were going to get into is Southern food and how, you know, I don't have any experience with, with Southern food, but how you kind of come up with your ideas with Southern heritage in mind, but also, you know, showing respect, but also wanting to modernize, modernize it. So, you know, I, I guess just talk us through that mindset and what you mean when you say you want to give respect, but you also want to put your own spin on it. So Southern cuisine is a lot of like preserved foods. Um, You know, you got your like jellies and jams, pickled items. You've got your, you know, Southern fried items, all kinds of things. You've got your gumbo, especially down here. That's very popular. Um, That actually came about um, when the slaves arrived from West Africa. They had this dish with rice and okra and gumbo actually translates to the West African word for okra. So, you know, they started that and mixed it kind of with the French, you know, bouillabaisse dish. And that's how, you know, the Southern gumbo came about. And as cliche as it may sound, living in the South, that is my favorite Southern food by far. Like, gumbo is probably at the top of my list. Um there's a lot of heritage in Southern cuisine. Um, 
a lot of it has got, gotten kind of lost over the years. And actually one of my favorite chefs, uh, Sean Brock, he's trying to, you know, kind of revitalize everything and bring it back and find those lost ingredients, you know, through history and bring that back. And that's kind of what I want to try to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some Southern dishes that have been kind of modernized, but not quite in the right way. It loses its, you know, authenticity just about. And what I like to do is try to preserve that authenticity and simplicity as well, because when you add too many complex flavors, it kind of, it gets lost. Okay. And I just want people to have that dish and be like this, you know, is what it's supposed to be, you know, in its purest form. And I am kind of a purist, but I do like to modernize things while maintaining the integrity of the ingredient at the same time. Okay. That's great. And you, so by refining these dishes, do you feel like you're, you know, helping Southern cuisine because it's more accessible to people, people that aren't in the South? What was that question one more time? Sorry. No, you're good. Just like, you know, by refining a dish or by refining a food mm-hmm. and like making it look better or like making it, you know, more of a fine dining esque type food, you know, or at least a plate that's really beautiful. Do you think you're helping the cuisine or moving it forward when you take Southern food and kind of give it that spin and that attention to detail? I'd like to believe so because you can have, you know, an original dish, like an original Southern cuisine um, dish. And it tastes amazing, but sometimes to the eye, it's not always the most attractive. But what I like to do is completely maintain the exact flavor, the integrity, the authenticity, but through plating, make it look more, you know, fine dining, I guess, but without adding all these unnecessary um, elements that, you know, don't quite go with it. But yeah. Awesome. Great. So uh, I just had a couple of questions, you know, like, I guess, like, not, they're just like quick questions, I guess. Uh, So who are some chefs, you obviously say Sean Brock, but who are some other chefs you look up to? Uh, Definitely Christina Tosi, when it comes to baking. Um, She was David Chang's pastry chef. She runs, you know, Momofuku Milk Bar. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of her stuff is very whimsical and it's stuff that she pretty much like what I like to do is with my recipes I take things that were influential with like a memory or an experience and that's what she does and I think that's why that her work just resonated with me so much okay because she would remember an experience or like something from her childhood and just kind of bring that out in her desserts and I like to do that as well it makes it more personal and then when someone kind of like asks you about your desserts you have a story to go along with it. And I think that's special. Okay. So she inspires me to, you know, think in a similar fashion. Awesome. Any other chefs or is Sean Brock and Christina Tosi like the two main ones? They're the two main ones. I still have several others. Um, You know, of course, um, Anthony Bourdain. Um, Mm -hmm. I used to watch his shows as a kid on the Travel Channel all the time. Um, he got me interested in a lot of culinary things as well. Um, I remember we, we didn't have the travel channel where I lived. We only were able to, you know, watch it when we were out of town because that town would have it on cable. So 
every time we went out of town, we would always watch the travel channel when we were like at the hotel or at the condo and we would always watch his shows and his shows were definitely a huge influence in my early life. Absolutely. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, he definitely a big influence for me as well. <laughs> but, um, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. And what are some, uh, you said Flavor Bible, what are, what are some other cookbooks that have inspired you or that you would recommend to cooks starting out in the industry? Um, as I had recommended earlier, the Flavor Bible is a lifesaver. Um, I love to use that one. I used it starting off. I still use it to this day. It will teach you how to write a menu. Um, as well as other very useful things. I use it for both savory and baking. Um, let me think. Another another very good one, and it is a giant book. It is, it's hard to kind of tote around with me, but uh, The Silver Spoon Cookbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very good one. A lot of um, basic recipes as well as um, recipes from all over the world. Uh, when I worked in, in the Italian kitchen, that came in handy many, many times, especially when I was in charge of creating a special for that weekend. Okay. Definitely came in handy. Uh, I have to think of a few more. I have so many um, different <laughs> ones. Like there's literally a bookshelf full of them. Um, when it comes to Southern cuisine, a really good one. If you want to, you know, have a modern spin on things, kind of how I like to do Um the Heritage Cookbook by Sean Brock is very good. They have some of the recipes from his restaurant Husk and then some from McCrady's. Okay. Uh, I've tried a few of those out. I highly recommend them. They're a little bit more skilled to some extent, some of them, but if you try them out, you won't be disappointed. Okay. Yeah, I have Heritage and it's a great book. So. And then uh-huh. if you want something like that's definitely a challenge. Uh, of course, the 11 Madison Park cookbook is another good one. Okay. Awesome. Uh, the book for me, you know, I think you would enjoy a lot, you know, being interested in art and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Questlove, the, he's, a he's, you know, part of the band, the roots he's on. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He, um, he actually wrote a book. It's called something to food about. Mm-hmm. And it's a bunch of interviews, um, with chefs, and about their creative process. So Dominique Crenn, Daniel Hume, um, they're all in there, and he does a really good job of kind of getting around their ideas and their thought processes. So, you know, that's something that I think you would be interested in due to, like, you know, creativity, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. photos in there of abstract art, or at least abstract photos that kind of lead to their creative sides of things. So, you know, that was a book for me that really showed me how, you know, art can be, important to cooking in a different way so yeah i'll definitely have to check that out that sounds like a really good read and i need a book a new book to read at the moment anyway so um yeah i'll I'll definitely give that a shot awesome and uh my last question i ask every guest this is uh what does it mean to you to be a part of the wine cook nation um a community of cooks chefs who want to be there to support each other talk to each other and just have a bigger conversation about the industry Honestly, I'm ecstatic to be a part of it. When you said you wanted to speak with me, I was just, you know, bewildered. And I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to share my experience with, you know, this community, you know, to tell people that going to culinary school is amazing, but it's also okay, you know, if you don't, um, 
that sharing your food on social media, you know, is great. Um, honestly, that's how I've gotten some exposure and I've gotten, you know, to know people through networking. That's important. Um, just sharing experiences and stories, hoping that, you know, someone listens and, you know, takes something from it. Like, you know, I've done listening to my mentors and people I've looked up to, you know, that's definitely important. And I'm hoping that a listener maybe takes something from, you know, this podcast and feels inspired or, you know, goes out and does something or cooks a new dish, cooks something Southern, maybe if you've never cooked (laughs) anything Southern. Um, But yeah. Awesome. Well, thank thank you so much, Lauren, for you know, saying that and being on the podcast. If you just wanted to uh, plug all your Instagram, your Instagram page, your hubraiser.com, anything you want to talk about or want people to check out, just, you know, you can say it now. Yeah, sure. Um, so my food blog, which I do need to update. Uh, I've been kind of busy, so I've been kind of slacking, but I'm about to get back on that. It is hellbrazer.com, H-E-L-L-B-R-A-I-S-E-R.com. And then um, my Instagram handle is Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N. And, of course, I have to spell my last name because it's a weird one. Uh, it's J-O-F-F-R-I-O-N. And that's my Instagram handle. I post a lot of food pictures and pictures of my dog. So that's pretty much what my page is. Um, but, yeah. And thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed talking with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. Well, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So there you have it, the interview with Lauren Joffrey on. I hope you all got a lot out of it. I really am excited for the future that she has within cooking. And I just can't wait for everything to kind of pick up for her. And, you know, I'd love to have her on in about a year uh, and see how everything went with her experience. And, yeah, I just think it's going to be a great career for her. And wish her the best of luck. Follow her on Instagram and, you know, just support your fellow cooks. And, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. It meant a lot.